Good morning, Real Life family and friends. Pastor Tim with you again today. And today I want to talk about a vision for our spiritual family, for the church, for our real life church, for real life family. And, uh, you know, when we come to know God and we place our faith in Jesus, I mean, it is a brand new beginning for all of us. And, uh, and so once we make that decision to come to Christ, what, what happens next? And so I want to share with you today what I see as the five purposes of the church through the scriptures, that God has a plan, that you're not an accident. Uh, you are, you're not here uh, just by the will of, of, uh, of mankind, of a, of a mother and a father, but God has placed you here. He's created you and he has a plan. He has a plan for your life and he has a plan for history. And we are a part of this time of history uh, in the world. And so God has put you here for such a time as this. And the church has a place in this, this entire scheme of things that God has, is doing. Um, history is marching forward. God's plans are marching forward. And the church has a, has a role. So there's this, this idea that, first of all, our relationship with God is personal. And that's absolutely true. It's, it's a personal decision to place our faith in Christ and come alive in Him. We all need a Savior. We all need to be saved. We are all designed to know God and have a personal relationship with Him. Our Creator made us to be with Him as an expression of His love, and He wants to love us for all eternity. And so we all need to have this personal relationship with God. But in addition to that personal relationship with God, there is a corporate purpose and presence of God for the body of Christ. And that's what I want to talk about today is how does our individual purpose really overlap with and, and is a part of our corporate purpose as the church? Now, the church um, is a word that we get, um, if you trace it back to the, the, the original Greek language, when we talk about the word church, it comes from a word called ecclesia, which... Um, which is really gathering together. And sometimes that word was used in um, the context of government or context of people coming together, assembling together. And so the church really isn't an organization. Uh, biblically, the church is people. It's you and it's me. It's the people who have placed their faith in Christ as Lord. So when I'm talking about the purposes of the church, I'm not talking about like a business model, you know, I'm not talking about some organization. I'm talking about the grouping or the gathering together of God's people. There is a purpose for us. Now, in the scriptures, there's lots of different um, analogies that, that we see to describe our relationship. And the one that I like the most is family. So I'm going to talk to us about, as, about ourselves as a family, a spiritual family. There's also, uh, you know, the analogy of the body of Christ. We are the body of Christ. Christ is the head of the church. We all are the different parts, and we take our orders from the headquarters, right? From head, from Jesus. And we all function in unity under the lordship or headship of Jesus Christ. Um, also, I like to use the word or the idea of, of a team. We all have a role. Uh, we're all important. We're only as strong as the, the weakest link on the team. If a team member's down or a team member's out, you know, it affects the whole group, right? 
But today I want to talk about us as a family and look at the five purposes that God has for us together and how that really impacts our entire life. So it's more than just knowing Jesus. God has a plan and a purpose. So let's talk about those five purposes. I'm going to write these on the board, and there's five of them. First one is worship. And this is both personal and corporate worship. Um, I have a need to put God first in my life. I am made to worship God. You are made to worship God, uh, to connect with Him. Deuteronomy 6.5 says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. So the core issue for you and I uh, with this purpose, the question I want to ask ourselves today is, am I putting God first? That's worship. Worship is elevating God. It's putting Him first. It's putting Him above. It's putting Him at the top priority of our life. Worship is to humble oneself and to elevate God, to praise Him, to worship Him, and to put Him first in our lives. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, right? Put Him first. And all these other things that you need and, and that you see people chasing after, God will take care of you, but put Him first. That's worship. Worship is putting God first. And this is not just an act that we do um, one time a week, but this really is a lifestyle of living a lifestyle of putting God first. So the question I have for you today is, um, this is your purpose. This is one of your purposes, to worship God. You were made to worship Him. Are you worshiping Him? In other words, are you putting Him first? All right, the second purpose that we'll talk about is, we'll use the word fellowship. Fellowship is basically how I like to describe it as relationships with one another. It's connecting. It's sharing life together. I have a need to belong. You have a need to belong. Um, I was made, you were made for relationships. We are literally wired to need relationships with other people, okay? To do life with others, to love and to be loved, um, to know someone and to be known by someone. Like, we need that. We need to, we need to belong. We need to connect. We were made to connect with others. We're going to call that fellowship. This is part of the purpose of the church is to connect with one another, other believers, because so many great things come out of relationships, out of those connections. Well, we grow together. Uh, we learn from each other. Uh, we're protected by each other. Uh, we carry one another's burdens. We build one another up. We correct one another. We sharpen one another. There's so many one another's in Scripture. There's like over 30 different admonitions in Scripture telling us to do this for one another. And you cannot do these one another's without relationships. In fact, you can't love anyone unless you are close enough to them in relationships. Because love is difficult. It's a process. It's hard. It's 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 sacrifice. Love is always giving oneself to someone else. So. All of these one another's are done in the context of connecting relationships. So Ephesians 2.22 says, And in him, in Jesus, 
You, which is a plural you, which is talking to multiple people, the whole church. And in Jesus, you two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. So the church, God is assembling his children, his people together, and he is building us together, fitting us together with giftings, personalities, you know, and, and, and just life itself. We come together and God is assembling the body or the family or the church or the team. And we all contribute. We all support. We build up. We encourage. And we do all of these together so that we grow up and we mature in Christ and so that God's spirit is dwelling among us. So God wants to dwell in you personally, but he also wants to dwell in us corporately. When we talk about us being the temple of the Holy Spirit, there, both of these dimensions are biblical. That me personally, I personally am a temple of the Holy Spirit. But we also see in a scripture like this one that we corporately are being built into a dwelling place of God's Spirit too. That we together are a temple of the Holy Spirit. And there's an added dimension of, of what God is wanting to do through the corporate connection of the body of believers in fellowship together that he can't do in just us personally. God has chosen to make us need each other. Okay? So my question is, the core issue is, for you and for me, am I doing life with others? Worship, am I putting God first? Fellowship, am I doing life with others? Or am I isolating myself? Am I just doing it on my own? Well, you need each other people. We need each other. And God has designed you to need one another. So this is a purpose for your life. And I want to encourage you, as we go through these five purposes, the reason I'm asking these questions is because I want you to take inventory today of how you're doing. Because if you're doing life on your own, if you're feeling isolated, if you're not connected, if you're not doing life with other people, Boy, I really want to encourage you uh, to make a change in that area of your life because you need it. You need it. All right. So worship, fellowship. The next one we're going to talk about is discipleship. Discipleship is a big theme in the scriptures, and it is what Jesus called us to be and called us to do. Discipleship. And discipleship is this. It's becoming like Jesus. So the questions I have is, I have a need to be transformed. You have a need to be transformed, to be changed into the image of God. I need to be healed. You need to be healed. We need to find freedom from sin's effects on our life from the past. So we were all created in the image of God, but sin has distorted that image, marred it, crippled it. And through Christ... And through the word, we can be healed, restored, and set free from the effects of sin on our lives. That's called discipleship. It's called becoming like Jesus. We, we have some things we need to heal from. We have some hurts. We have some uh, scars. We have some thinking that's screwed up. That's just not accurate. It's not true. And uh, we need to be like Jesus. We need to be restored to the image of God. And so discipleship is work. It's transforming. It's 
going through processes to get healing, to get freedom. And we do that in the context of fellowship, of relationships. But this whole process is a lifelong journey for each and every one of us. And so the, uh, the Bible says in Romans 8, 29, for those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. In other words, God's determined purpose right now, one of his purposes in your life, is to conform you, transform you back into the image of Jesus. That's what God wants to do in your life. So the core question I have for you is this, and for myself, am I becoming like Jesus? Are you growing like him? Are you changing like him? Are you being transformed into his image? So I, these are questions I really need you to think about. Is God first in my life? Am I putting him first in my life? Am I doing life with other people? Am I becoming like Jesus? These aren't just you know, things that we do in church. These are the purposes that Scripture has for our lives. Okay? The fourth one, and there's five of these, I think I mentioned that before, is a big word here, but it's evangelism. Evangelism means spreading good news. Yeah, I think I spelled that right. <laughs> and, it, and so I am called by Christ, you're called, to declare good news, to declare the good news of salvation, the coming of the kingdom of God, that light has entered into our darkness and life is here to swallow up death. The good news of what God has done through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, right? He came. God came to us. He lived a holy life and he sacrificed his life on a cross, paying for my sin and your sin, taking upon himself the guilt and the punishment of all the world's sin, all of that brokenness, shame, rejection, pride, all of our, all of our brokenness upon himself, bore our iniquities, took our punishment, right? Gave his life. His blood was shed. It was paid legally in the courtroom of heaven. And we have been set free when we access Jesus' work on the cross by faith in him. He rose again to life, the firstborn uh, of the resurrection, promising all who will place their faith in him also will be raised to eternal life with him. And that's the good news. And so Jesus himself has given us that commission in Matthew chapter 28, 19 to 20. He says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And so Jesus, again, he is commissioning us. Now, the word discipleship is here, which we just talked about. But this is Jesus telling us to go and do this. Go and help everybody become like me. Teach them what I've taught you to obey. Go and spread this good news. Go and preach this gospel. Go and let them people know what's going on, that they could be restored and saved and made like me. So the question on evangelism, the core issue here is, am I sharing the good news? This is part of your purpose. This is part of our purpose as a 
family is to share this good news, to bring others into the family of God through sharing this good news. Now, one side note I want to make here, just because I'm so excited about this. This is something I really came to uh, realize a deeper meaning of earlier this year in one of the messages I did. I just want to remind you of it. When Jesus is saying here to go and baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. So revelation that I Uh, that I had earlier this year. Baptizing means to be completely immersed in. And so I want you to think about this, baptizing in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Father uh, that we want to be baptized into the name of the Father, that means into the love of God, the Father's love, that you would be immersed into the love of God. That is so key to bringing us security, acceptance, peace, was to know the love of God. But more than that, to be filled or immersed with the Son, Jesus. And what is the work of Jesus? Salvation, healing, becoming like Him, right? And so to be baptized or to be immersed in the Father's love into the Son's salvation, that you are forgiven of your sin, you're set free from guilt and shame, you begin to be healed and restored from the effects of sin in your life, and then the Holy Spirit, to, to be immersed in the Holy Spirit is to be immersed in the power and presence of God. So to be baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit is to be immersed or filled with the love of the Father, the salvation of the Son, and the power of the Holy Spirit. (laughs) Amen. Man, when you got that, that's good news. Anything's possible. Anything's possible. He changes our lives through and through. That's how the Trinity is such um, an amazing revelation of the the different personas or dynamics of, of God towards you and towards me. He reveals himself in these ways to us. All right. And the final, um, purpose that we have here, the five, is the word ministry. Ministry. And this is what we have been equipped to do for others. That, that Our lives are so significant. God has put so much trust and, and um, opportunity into each and every one of us because he actually gives us ministry to do. He gifts us with Activity to do that will bless other people. You were made for good works. So so was I. I've been made to and shaped to serve a part of God's purpose on the earth, to love people, to help people. There is something I have that God has given me to give back to the body of Christ, to the family of God, to one another. And so Ephesians chapter 2.10 puts it this way. For we are God's workmanship. Another translation will say, for we are God's masterpiece. God has chiseled us, made us, carved us, shaped us. Okay? God himself has shaped us, created in Christ Jesus to do good works. So he made us in such a way that equips us to do something unique, right? And it says, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So you are a unique creation. You are built or crafted or formed or shaped by God himself to do good works, 
And no one else can do exactly what God's called you to do, right? And so this is part of the purpose of your life. And so the core question here is, am I serving the body? Am I serving the family? Or are you sitting on your gifting? Are you, are you just too busy to offer your, your, your gifting uh, to the body, to others. Do you see? These are core purposes. This is not religion. I'm not trying to convince you to do anything, although I am, because this is who we are. This is our purpose. This isn't a system of religion. This is what God has called us to do. This is what God has made you to do. And so these are the five purposes. Let's go through them one more time, and then I'm going to elaborate a little bit more. Worship. Am I putting God first? Fellowship, am I doing life with others? Discipleship, am I becoming like Jesus? Evangelism, am I sharing the good news? Ministry, am I serving the body of Christ, the family of God? So how are you doing on those things? That's my my goal is to have you reflect on these purposes and make some adjustments if you see you need to, because this is who we are. Now, as a family, we are keeping these purposes before us at all times. As a pastor here at Real Life, this is what I'm thinking about all the time. I'm trying to help everybody in our family fulfill these five purposes in their lives. I'm trying to, trying to encourage and teach and equip and mobilize all of us, to be able to fulfill who God called us to be. Now, when I go through these, though, I want to go through these again, looking at how we're trying to accomplish that together as a family at Real Life. So first of all, worship. Worship. Putting God first. Am I putting God first in my life? Am I loving God, worshiping God? How am I experiencing and growing in my personal relationship with God? Well, what we do is we... We prioritize Sunday morning worship services. I believe this is absolutely of God's design for us to gather weekly as a group and worship Him. So more specifically, when I say, am I putting God first? Of course, this is a lifestyle. It's a daily decision. It, it, it involves everything that we do. But practically speaking, also... As a family, are you prioritizing Sunday morning worship service? You need to be here. Not because you know, we're doing religion, but because God has called you to gather together. We have been called to gather together to worship Him. Um, so in the Bible, when you look at this, um, we see this as the pattern of the Sabbath. Leviticus chapter 23, 1-3, begins a chapter in which um, Moses is writing down from the Lord's direction what's called the sacred feasts or appointed times. These are appointments of God. And the first one that's mentioned is the Sabbath. In other words, God is saying to us, Here is my calendar, and this is where I want to see you. (laughs) I am going to meet you at these times, in these places. You need to be there. Listen, you know, if you have a really important appointment with someone that's very important in your life, you are going to make it there, right? You're going to 
I mean, can you imagine if you had an appointment with, let's say, you know, the president of the United States or something, or you, or let's just kind of be a little bit more fleshly, huh? You, you got this great concert that you want to go to. I mean, everything else gets out of the way and I'm going to that concert. That's on this time at this place and we prioritize it. But God, the creator of the universe says, I have a priority for you. I want to see you every seven days. I want to see you together worshiping me. So this is what it says in Leviticus 23, 1 to 3. The Lord said to Moses, speak to the Israelites and say to them, these are my appointed feasts, the appointed festivals of the Lord, which you are to proclaim as sacred assemblies, sacred assemblies. There are, then he goes into the first one. There are six days when you may work, but the seventh day is a day of rest, a day of sacred assembly. You are not to do any work. Wherever you live, it is a Sabbath to the Lord. It's actually one of the Ten Commandments that God gave. In Exodus chapter 20, verse 4, He said, Simply remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy, keeping it separate. It's special. It is a time of a sacred assembly, a holy gathering together of the church. Now, this could come across as religious to you, but it is not. It is not. God wants to meet you. He has called us to meet him once a week. So as a church, we gather every Sunday, every Sunday in obedience to God because he has told us once every seven days, I want to meet with you. How are you doing on that? Now, this, if you haven't been to church in a while, you need to reprioritize your life. This is something that God has called you to do. And how can you thrive in your relationship with God if you're not willing to simply obey and follow what he is already calling us to do? So we need to do this. I urge you, make Sunday mornings a priority in your life. Make the weekly worship time an absolute non-negotiable for your life. Now, I know some people work on Sundays and there's some extra challenges there, but you need to do everything possible in your life to gather with God's people weekly. This is coming straight from God. This isn't a man's made up religious thing to kind of take control of people's lives. <laughs> this is God saying, I want to meet with you. Now, there's incredible blessings that God promises when we follow him and obey him. In Isaiah chapter 58, verses 13 to 14, I'm just going to read this passage as we close out this first purpose. If you keep your feet from breaking the Sabbath and from doing as you please on my holy day, if you call the Sabbath a delight and the Lord's holy day honorable, and if you honor it by not going your own way and doing as you please or speaking idle words, then you will find joy, your joy in the Lord. And I will cause you to ride in triumph on the heights of the land and to feast on the inheritance of your father Jacob. For the mouth of the Lord is spoken. God is saying, this is my holy day. And if you will follow my directions, my commands, if you will honor this day, set it aside, be there, you will, you will have the joy of the Lord in your life and you'll have the prosperity of God 
and the hand of God upon you in a special way. And so every time that we follow God, we are blessed <laughs> and, and, and better for it, right? And so I encourage you as you evaluate yourself according to these purposes to make adjustments. And this might be one that you need to make. And you just need to say, hey, we're going to church. I'm not missing church anymore. I'm putting this on my calendar like God has put it on his because God has called me to meet with him. And I want to follow him. I want God's blessing on my life. I need to get there. All right? Now, the second purpose here that we talked about for is fellowship. Again, am I connecting with others? Am I doing life with others? Do, you know, am I known and, and do I know? And am I contributing to relationships? And am I being built up by relationships? So our, um, I guess, our, our hope and our desire to try to create these kind of uh, relationships isn't something that we call life groups. It's just getting together on purpose. It's being intentional about gathering together with a small group of people and getting to know each other, praying for each other, uh, talking about the messages, you know, studying together, eating together, doing life together. You know, you got to have some people in, involved in your life. And so I want to encourage you to get connected uh, into a life group where you can build these kinds of relationships, where you are sharing your life with others, and where others are sharing their life with you, where you are being loved and you are loving, where you get to know and you are being known, where you belong and you're not alone, but you're connected, right? We need each other. So life groups is the, the main avenue in which we as a real life family are trying to accomplish that purpose. We're trying to be intentional. I mean, it's great if you're naturally connecting with people, but doing life together is at a different level. It's where you really are known. It's where your issues are really exposed because you're trusting those around you and you share and you open up your, your real heart, your real life, your real struggles, and you find real love and real support and encouragement. And so life groups, we're going to be doing some life groups this fall. I encourage everybody to be part of a life group and invite other people to, to be a part of those connections, those friendships that we're trying to develop. This is the dynamic that we see in the beginning of the church. I want to read this passage for you, and you get this sense of excitement and relationships and, and activity that's just super healthy when we read Acts chapter 2, verses 42 to 47. It says, They, the church, the people, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. And everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. And every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved." You see this dynamic of relationships, of connectivity, of having dinner together, of worshiping God together, of sharing each other's needs and helping each other out. And it was a community of believers. And it was in people's homes. So there's lots of different outbreaks of connections and relationships happening. So again, um, are you connecting with other believers? Are you sharing your life with others? Okay. Um, discipleship we talked about already as well. Discipleship is becoming like Christ. 
Am I being transformed? Now, one of the things that I always really stress with when I'm, when I'm talking about discipleship is our need to have just a personal devotional time with the Lord. This isn't a program. This is just an encouragement of this is what it looks like. Daily, daily coming into the presence of God without a service, without anybody else, and just feeding on the presence of God, feeding on his word, just connecting spiritually every day with him. Romans 12, 1 and 2 says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Then it goes on to say, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by renewing or the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So transformation takes place by putting ourselves into the word of God and into the presence of God, right? And so I want to encourage you to have a daily time where you are studying, you're praying, you're worshiping, you're just coming into the presence of God. You need this. Um, one of the analogies in scripture Jesus made was, I am the bread of life. He did this in the context of the miracle of breaking the bread and multiplying the bread of loaves of bread and the fish and the people ate. But he was saying, I'm the bread of life. You need to eat from me. And just like the people in the desert, the Israelites in the desert had to eat, gather their food every day. They couldn't stack it up. They couldn't pile it up for the next day or for weeks to come. Every day they had to go out and get the manna. And if they kept any for the next day, it turned to maggots, right? It, it spoiled and it was rotten. God was teaching them, every day you need to feed on me. Every day you need to trust in me. Every day, one day at a time. And so Jesus says, I'm the bread of life. He said to his listeners in John 5, 39, he says, you study the scriptures diligently because you think that in them you have eternal life. These are the very scriptures that testify about me. Yet you refuse to come to me to have life. So Jesus is saying, it's not about just reading the Bible. It's not about um, doing some kind of religious, you know, uh, jumping through some religious hoops every day to please God or something. No, no, no. It's about coming to him. Coming to him. Now, he is the word. So we read the word, but we're not reading the word just to read the word. We're reading the word to connect with Jesus. So we are seeking the presence of God. We're seeking him to speak to our hearts. We're not doing a religious activity. We are coming into the presence of God. That's what personal devotions is all about. We're praising, we're praying, we're studying. We're just coming into the presence of God. We're feeding on him. That's how we become like Jesus. We hang around him. We get into his presence. We listen to him. We follow him. We study to be like him. That's discipleship. That's what each and every one of us needs to be doing. I hope that you're doing that. If you're not, then begin to put that into practice in your life. This is part of your purpose, is to know Jesus and to become like him. Luke 9, 23, Jesus says, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross daily, and follow me. This is a daily journey that we're on. In Matthew 6, 11, Jesus taught us to pray. One of the ways that he taught us to pray was this. Lord, give us today our daily bread. 
Well, just like we need physical bread, we need spiritual bread. We need spiritual food every single day. All right, let's go on to the next one, evangelism. Again, sharing the good news. And, and a, another uh, emphasis here of our family is this is to be uh, reflected in a spirit-filled lifestyle. So there isn't a program for this. We, we, we don't have, we do events to reach out to people. Um, some really cool events throughout the year, an Easter event. Uh, we do a fall event. We do a summer event. We're always inviting people to church. But this is more of a lifestyle of being filled with the Spirit. Because wherever you are, you are the light of the world. Because the light of the world, Jesus, His Spirit is in you. Therefore, the good news should be bubbling out of you, uh, you know, at the at the direction and inspiration of the Holy Spirit. At any moment, anywhere, at any time, you are prepared with the gospel of peace because the Spirit of God will lead you and guide you to touch the people around you, to share that good news, to lay hands on someone, to pray for someone, to give them a word. And so it is a Spirit-filled life that I want to encourage everyone in our family to pursue. And that's the reason I say that is because in Acts 1.8, this is what Jesus said. He said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses. You will be my ones who share the good news. When? When the Holy Spirit comes upon you. By the power of God's presence in our lives, we now have the boldness and the clarity and the inspiration to share that good news with others. It is by the Holy Spirit in you and through you that makes this message come alive, burn in people's hearts, right? And so the Bible says in Ephesians 5.18, be filled with the Spirit. So this is just something that I want to encourage every one of us to live filled with the Holy Spirit and to realize that I am a walking, talking representation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let the Spirit of God lead you and guide you as you touch the people all over wherever you go. And the last one, again, as our family is trying to keep these, these purposes before us, and we have our weekly worship service on Sundays, we have our life groups that we're building these relationships with, we have our personal devotions that we're doing every day, and we're pursuing a lifestyle of being filled with the Spirit, letting God direct our steps in our mouth and seeing people as He sees them. Finally, we have ministry. And ministry, again, is recognizing I'm uniquely shaped to serve the body of Christ. God has given me a unique way to contribute, to build up the people around me. There's no question about it in Scripture. Every single one of us have been gifted. 1 Peter 4.10 says, Each person should use whatever gift he has received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. Each one of us have something to give that God has given you to give to the body. And then the reward is this, Hebrews 6.10. I love this verse. It's my go-to verse when I think about ministry, of why we do it. The Bible says, God is not unjust. He will not forget your work and the love you have shown him as you have helped his people 
and continue to help them. As you have served his people and continue to serve them. As you minister to people and continue to minister to them. When we're loving people, serving people, helping people, God says, you're loving me. You're helping me. I take that as a personal, uh, personal love. And, and I credit it to your account. To love God is to love other people. And Jesus, those are the two greatest commandments, to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love your neighbor as you love yourself. And God has equipped you to love the people around you, to minister to them. Are you doing that? Are you serving with the gifts that God has given you? Or have you, are you too busy to do that? Well, it's part of your purpose. It's part of who you are. And you will come more alive when you're doing what God's called you to do than busying yourself with other things that you want to do, that you think you want to do. And so it kind of reminds me of Matthew chapter 25, when Jesus is telling the story, and he talks about being in prison, about being naked, about being hungry, and, and someone came to him in prison. Someone clothed his nakedness. Someone gave him food. Someone came to him and soothed him when he was sick. And they looked at him and said, Jesus, when did we do this? You know, or in the parable, the king, when did, when did we do this? We don't remember. We didn't see you. And he replied in verse 40, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers of mine, you did for me. Wow. What greater motivation could we have? When we get to do what God made us to do, God also credits it as if we are doing it directly to him. That's awesome. So in the next couple of weeks, we're going to be talking about our family, the real life family, and the vision that God has for us to pursue together, that we will grow and mature and fulfill these purposes. We will be completely alive and excited and filled with, with the things that God has called us to do. And so I, today, for today's um, you know, summary, I just want you to take inventory of these five purposes of your life. And a couple questions I want to ask you. First of all, are you fully committed to these five purposes in your life? Do you see the significance of these in the scriptures? That these are indeed God's purposes for us as a family. I do. I'm committed to them. Are you? Are you committed to these five purposes for your life? I believe if you commit yourself to this and you see that this is of God's will for your life, that you will come alive. When we do what God's called us to do, there is no better life that we could choose. Second question is, how are you doing in each of these five areas? And as you reflect on that, is there an area here that perhaps you need to make an adjustment or uh, you need to strengthen? And if so, what is that going to look like? What are you going to do? What is your next step in that area? Take it. Move forward in the plans and purposes of God. All right, well, I want to bless you as we close this message. And if you don't know Jesus, I want you to pray this prayer with me. He loves you. God's, lo God's love for you is real and it's eternal. He's never going to give up chasing you. But it's time, it's time to give your heart to Him, to receive the love of God and the salvation that Jesus has made possible for you. Do you pray this prayer with me and say, Jesus, today... I trust in you as Lord and Savior. I give my life to you. 
I give it all to you. I, I believe that you are the Son of God who came, who paid for my sin to give me life eternal in you and through you. Fill me with your spirit and energize me with your purposes, Lord. Let me live my life for you in the way that you called me to and the way that you designed me to, that I might have life to the full. I'm all yours in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let me just pray the Lord's blessing on you as we close. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. And the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. May you be filled with this spirit to overflowing this week. And may he direct you in all of these areas that we talked about today that you might experience the fullness of his life and that you might be used to promote and extend that life to others in his name. Amen. God bless you.